You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to a late night edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman. As always, my host is wonderful podcast. The reason I say a late night edition is because I... I'm recording this after the Milwaukee Bucks became the 2021 NBA champions. I am on Eastern time right now, which means it is like inching up to 12 p.m. midnight on the next day. And we're not going to talk about the Bucks in this podcast because this is not a Bucks podcast. But instead, we're going to continue our season player review series. Uh, we are on kind of like half season pages or less right now this week. And so today, I'm going to talk about Victor Oladipo. Tony did O'Shea Brissett yesterday, and I will finish out our, our uh, season uh, review series with Karis LeVert on Friday. We also have some free agency podcast previews by position, going from uh, point guard, shooting guard, small forward, and power forward on Monday. We'll finish that up tomorrow with one about centers. So check out all those podcasts on the Locked On Pacers feed. I'm going to mix up this Victor Oladipo one. So we've been doing a certain format of... Basically, a word to describe the player's season, good, bad stats, what comes next. Obviously, Virgil Oladipo is no longer a pacer. He got traded in midseason, in case anybody was wondering. Uh, traded for basically Karis LeVert straight up. Uh, I think it ended up being a pick of some kind or something in there, but nothing a, nothing significant pick, like a late second rounder. But basically, for Karis LeVert straight up, he played nine games for the Pacers. In those nine games, he scored 20 points per game. Had 5.7 rebounds and 4.2 assists. But, like I said, I'm going to mix up this podcast. I'm going to do Victor Lodipo's Pacers career. Try to do a summation of the the pivotal moments in his Pacer career, I think, for me. And I've really written down, let me count through them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different moments that I think defined his Pacer career. And we're just going to go through them, explain them, talk them out. Because I think... Oladipo had the opportunity to be one of the Pacers' all-time greats, frankly. Uh, He came to the franchise after another all-time great, Paul George, left. Obviously, they were traded for each other along with Sabonis. Uh, George is still one of the the better Pacer players of the past, let's call it. It's really since their NBA days, right? I mean, I think there's like Reggie Miller, obviously, is probably the top of this list. Throwing Rick Smith's that kind of same era. I think you got to throw in Jermaine O'Neal at some point. I think you probably leave Rontis off this list, but Granger, George, um, those are kind of like the names, right? From generation to generation, or from like, you know, decade to decade, those are the top Pacer players. And George, who played, I think, seven, eight with the Pacers, the opportunity if you end up playing 15 or 20 years to be like Mr. Pacer, Mr. Indiana. And Oladipo inherited that mantle from George. And although he, although he didn't start here, his descendants came in Indiana and opportunity if things injury-wise have broken his way frankly to have become that kind of player right he went to college at IU so he's already kind of Mr. Indiana a very good basketball player at IU helped lead them to a number one seed one year there's that great win they had against Kentucky I mean they were they were some good IU teams with Victor Oladipo on that team and so uh, he deserves some credit certainly um, for that already in kind of Indiana uh, mythology but he came to the Pacers and he immediately made this jump right he went from an Oklahoma City a guy averaging roughly 15 points, 16 points per game on uh, some miserable shooting splits, like 43%, 35 from three. Comes to Indiana, 
23 points per game on 47-37 shooting. He takes 18 shots per game. His usage goes up, but so is his efficiency. He leads the league and steals that year with 2.4. He just has this amazing 27-18 year. Honestly, kind of a storybook year where the Pacers like were supposed to, they were, you know, they're doom predictions, right? They traded Paul George away, didn't have another blue chip guy who would step in. Were they going to win 30 games even? I think Tony and I had basically just started our podcast, started doing this Locked Up Pacers podcast that summer. We were like, the 35 that would be a win team won 48 games his first season and for me the first pivotal moment of that kind of old depot era has to come frankly on the december 10th 2007 win against denver nuggets only put 47 points he single-handedly dragged the team back uh basically in that game and get to over i think they were down six or eight points with under two minutes left or under three minutes left, he you go look it up. Go look up the YouTube highlights of the game. It's incredible. Basically, goes toe to toe with basically every Nuggets player. And this is the Nuggets kind of pre Jokic peak. So Gary Harris was kind of their top scorer, but he goes he just goes toe to toe with the whole team. Basically, carries the Pacers to the win, wins in overtime, and was incredible. I mean, he was just like phenomenal. And that to me was his kind of um, you know superstar establishment game, right? I think that was the game where you started to realize, oh, if he's one on one. Most defenders in this league can't stop him. Yes, there was occasionally some who could, but like most time, he could get any shot he wanted at any moment. The question with him was, could he just you know make the jump shot if he got wide open, uh, or could he convert the free throws, or could he really have enough support around him at times? The Pacers team in 2017 was better than the previous Pacers team the year before that had like Jeff Teague, PG uh, were kind of the top two, and then I guess that was traded that year too. But Pacers team was better. They got some more shooting around Oladipo. Right, Bojan was sort of. Figuring it out, Collison had a great year that year as well. Adam Thad uh, and Turner played center, and Sabonis off the bench. I mean, that was that was like a decent roster. It was a it was a young roster, still a developing roster, but better, but still not like a ton of support for Vitoli. But not like he had another blue chip guy next to him. A lot of kind of role players or guys still figuring out surrounding him. That to me was kind of the moment where he became a superstar ish that season. I mean, he didn't hold it very long, but he became you know an all star out of that kind of gap game and the run he had that month where he had a couple other thirty point games. Um, this was the point where he probably kind of cemented himself as an all-NBA player that season as well. He would end up being, I think, third-team all-NBA by the end of the season. And so that was kind of the first pivotal moment for me. And the second pivotal moment, which also came in that season, for me was game one against the Cavs and really the game five, six, and kind of seven in, in that whole series. But game one, he puts up, I believe, 32 points in that very first playoff game. They smoked the Cavs. Uh, he ended up with 32, 6, 4, and 4, and that's in four steals. Uh, he goes 6 of 9 from 3. I mean, they beat the Cavs with 18 points. Obviously, they lost that series, but that was like an establishment of like, oh, this Pacer team is not going to get walked over like the team the year before that I think got swept by the Cavs, um, right? That that uh, that Paul George team, that final year got just, just basically ran out of the gym by, by LeBron, basically. They just, they just weren't very good, frankly. I've been over that, but... This was kind of his establishing game in that series. He had a really good game, uh, six and seven in that series. Game seven, frankly, if he had played the whole fourth quarter, they probably would have won that series. Uh, I will stick by that. Uh, in games, in game six, really good. Game five was not great, but he had that what I thought was the game-winning shot. Although LeBron had the, game, the three after that, but like where LeBron basically goaltended him on the final shot and should have been the game-winning shot, frankly. But that to me, that was sort of his like. Probably his high with the Pacers, but we're defining moments, and it really established him as 
a superstar. It basically was the mantle went, you know, like I said, went from Paul George to him, and there was no gap between. He immediately took the mantle and became the superstar. Frankly, I thought was that season was better than any Paul George Pacers season. I think you put him toe to toe. Paul George had a, had some better season with the Thunder, especially that twenty eight point game season. I think his final season in Oklahoma City. But you look at Paul George's Pacers seasons. Oladipo is toe to toe with that kind of season, and he was rightly awarded with with a uh, All NBA berth. I think thirteen All NBA berth that year. Unfortunately, well, there's a couple other high ones, but fortunately, the rest of his pivotal moments are not as high, and that's what I want to talk about next. But first, today's Locked On Pacers podcast is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Greenroom is the first social audio platform made for the sports fan. The app is free to download once you're in. Talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. We host some locker rooms on the Locked On Pacers account. We'll do that once a week. I'll probably do one Thursday or Friday. Check on our Twitter feed at Locked On Pacers to see when we're going to do those. Uh, this week's green, green Room. Green Room is the perfect place to join the competition about the league. Talk with fans about everything. You do watch parties, debates, post-game breakers, and, of course, react to the biggest news or rumors. And right now, go download the Green Room app today. It's available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create your own profile, link it to your Twitter, join a group, NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, whatever it is. Delays updates on the on the league when when there's going to be locker rooms about, though. And you can follow us at Locked on Pacers. And we can't wait to hear from you, the thoughts on the Pacers. We'll see you there. Green Room, changing the way we talk about sports. So the next pivotal moment for Victor Oladipo in this Pacer career I think comes against Boston, November 3rd, 2018. Oladipo hits what ends up being basically the game-winning three-point shot. And this was one second left. To me, that was the moment where you knew from season to season that his 27-18 pride wasn't just a fluke. He really was a really good player, and he was like going to have another great season. Unfortunately, that might be... One of the last script moments for Dolby's Pacers career because the rest kind of goes downhill from there. So, December 2018, he ends up missing a bunch of games with a knee injury that's never specifically told what it is, what kind of injury it is, whatever. And frankly, there are rumors swirling around this time that he needed knee surgery to shut down for the season. To me, this is a pivotal point in his Pacers career where I, I, you know, we don't know. I can't say for certain what was going on. There is not like a lot of hard fact, but it did seem like his knee injury, his knee would bother when he returned. He was running kind of weird, uh, you know, putting pressure weirdly because his knee was a little bit messed up. Clearly should have sat out longer. I don't know if he should have surgery, but should have somehow waited longer to heal. I think he felt this pressure, right? He ended up missing, how many? I'm going to look up how many games, but I believe basically every game he missed, they were losing. I mean, the team the team wasn't very good without him. They were, they were kind of screwed, frankly. So he ended up missing... Uh, I think 11 games. They're actually doing okay. So I mean, there were so there was a stretch. Now I'm thinking of in 27, 18, where he missed seven games. They lost all seven of them. This stretch, they were fine, but I think they they were heading into a tougher part of the schedule. They wanted him back, and it made some sense. Um, but clearly, he wasn't ready to return, and they should have held him out longer because I think, obviously, this pivotal moment when he you know had this clearly knee injury that was that was weird. This moment was what led to the, probably the, the single worst moment and the most important moment of his career, and that's when he blew out his quad tendon, January 23rd, 2019. Uh, it was uh, 
it was bad. And I don't know if the previous injuries relate to it. I tend to think in general most injuries relate to each other simply because of the fact of like if you have one injury, you walk differently, you run differently, especially when you're in this high, you know, stress level. You're an athlete, lots of like muscles and all those kind of things. And I, I just, you know, I think they relate to one another, frankly. And I think there is something about the knee injury where he clearly didn't let it heal or whatever it was, and it screwed him up and it led to this other injury. Uh, because there hasn't been a lot of quad tendon injuries in general in the NBA. You look around, there's not like we don't see a, a, a like a rash of quad tendon tears, right? It's pretty common to see ACL, MCL, meniscus because you know I guess you don't tear your your MCL, but you tear ACL and meniscus because it's a knee, it's it, it's an exposed ligament. It's very easily very easy can kind of um, tear because of where it is. Achilles also makes some sense, right? It, it's 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 something that like just kind of like happens one time, but it's really hard to tear your quad tendon on one time, and so. Frankly, I think there's something there, and it, you know, to me, this stretch definitely um, changed his pacer career. Because if he doesn't, I think even if he missed, let's say even if in that, you know, his last game in that season, I mean, November, he takes has knee surgeries out six months, whatever. I think there's something about the way he tore his knee that sets you back more than if it's like it's a partial fix. And I, I think that sometimes a lot of uh, younger players and a lot of just you know, athletes don't, and I think in baseball they do it better because like the Tommy John thing with elbows, but like there is a reward in just doing the surgery, getting 100% right and not actually having to tear it some way because it mentally doesn't hurt you, right? And I think there ended up being a mental part of this where because he tore his knee so badly in the middle of a game that it just made it hard to return from, frankly. Um, you know, the next pivotal moment for me in his career obviously is when he returns in 2019-20 season. He ends up... Uh, my other words, yeah, he ends up returning on uh, January 29th, almost about a, over, a little over a year later. Does not play great, but does hit a huge three to send that game to overtime against the Bulls. He's on men's restrictions for a while. Uh, that season was, I mean, at least, that season was obviously the COVID season, but uh, at least first part of that, kind of up and down, not playing very well. But then, to me, the, the next pivotal thing that I, I think really really comes down to is is this kind of March 10th game. March 10th, 2020, as we all will know, that is like days before the whole world shut down. I believe even the next night is when the NBA shut down. Oladipo has 27 points, plays 28 minutes, shoots 5 of 7 from 3. He drags his Pacer team back in the fourth quarter. Uh, They trailed, let's look at the play-by-play of that game real fast, but they trailed by Boston in that fourth quarter by as much as uh, 14 points with 6 53 left the Pacers trailed 102 to 88 to Boston he ends up scoring four straight buckets for the team uh I think he ends up with like 15 something points in that quarter or maybe 13 something points and the team nearly wins the game they lose 112 or 114 111 but he like fully drags them back there's a point with 26 left they're, they're down two where he shoots a three that I thought, I thought for sure he's going to make. I mean, he they end up going up 109-107, but there's just three down two. I, I thought, oh, he's going to drain this. You know, they're going to win this game. Fortunately, he didn't do it, but whatever. But still, he was incredible. This was, felt like it's a moment where he would, like had finally turned the corner on his injury. The Pacers were 39-26 and for this game. You thought, oh, we're heading into kind of um, the playoff stretch. It could be interesting. Pandemic happens. Sets him back on his rehab. I mean, this is like probably like he isn't quite done with rehab at this point, but he's getting there, getting better, getting well. And I, I do think the pandemic honestly just screwed up his rehab. Uh, it, it, it 
just one of those things, right? He nobody knew what they were gonna do for three months. Nobody knew they were gonna play basketball. Nobody knew where to work out, how to do things. Nobody knew if he could go outside even. And I think he was frankly screwed up on his rehab, and it it hurt him. He did not play well when he came back in the bubble. Uh, he played okay that playoffs, but really was a ton of shots, not super efficient, and just was really not the same player the rest of that season. In the bubble, it was really Warren who was the outstanding player. Vic was sort of eh, uh, very high. High volume, low low efficiency, could put up some points because he's taking a ton of shots, kind of thing. Um, yeah, you know that was the next pivotal moment for me was just the pandemic. It just it just set him back, frankly, in a way that he never really recovered from. And to me, that's where you know there's two more pivotal parts of his career, uh, and that they come in this obviously the last season. And so that's what I want to talk about next because I I do think he never recovered after that pandemic after the pandemic, frankly, for the Pacers. But he did have an opportunity to kind of fill a new role for the Pacers. But unfortunately, uh, he didn't seem interested in it. And that's what we're talking about next. But first, this Lockdown Pacers podcast is also brought to you by our wonderful friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is that wonderful protein bar company we've been talking about on this podcast for I don't know how long. Months, months, years, almost over a year now. They make a ton of amazing delicious flavors that come in coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cream, and German chocolate. They're these protein bars, 100 covered in chocolate. They're great. Like I've said many times, they're great as a mid-afternoon kind of snack slash meal. You know, the in-between, I don't know if it's a meal or whatever it is, that in-between lunch and dinner, you know, something that's perfect. My favorite one is the peanut butter brownie one, which is 180 calories, has 18 grams of protein. It's great for me after I, you know, work out in the morning, get a little more protein in my body, help build up that muscle. And right now, if you go to Built.com, it's a new website, Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, get 15% off your next order. Go to Built.com. For 50% off your next order on Built Bar. And we are also brought to you by our wonderful friends over at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local auto parts chain store to stock all the parts you need. So why often endure the seemingly intimidating and pointless questions? And while you wait for the person behind the counter to order the parts they need for your car, choosing the brands that only their warehouse carries. You have a computer. You can access rockauto.com. It's at your home. It's in your pocket wherever you go. You should do that because you can save time and money when you go to Rock Auto. Why spend up to 30%, 30 to 100% more for the same parts from the chain store or cars you can get online at rockauto.com. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Prices are always reliably low for every customer. They have everything you need for your car from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. Go and explore the website today and find all the parts you need to solution for your auto needs. It's great. And right now, go to rockauto.com. Make sure to write locked on the how to hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Because Rock Auto is this amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. So I got two more pivotal moments in Victor Oladipo's career for the Pacers. Uh... I, I have and then I just have a semi one. So I, I think this is in pivotal moments, but they're the the rumors of just like does he want out? He has to be on other teams, all the J. Michael articles from uh that I guess was the winter Thanksgiving range of uh twenty twenty, twenty twenty one were definitely semi moments in his career. But to me, another pivotal moment for him 
this season comes when he turns, turns on the extension. Uh, that happened. We don't know the exact date, but we know that he was offered an extension of some kind. He turned it down, and frankly, that was the moment he decided he wanted to be a Pacer. And I get it. I mean, I think there, he he would wanted to go somewhere bigger. He wanted a different role, you know. Uh, by the time he's playing with the Pacers in that in that you know final season within those nine games, he isn't the number one option on the team. If he is, he's like one of three number one options. He he comes back to a team that had a really good season without him, frankly. Right in 20, uh, 19, 20, the team would have won fifty something games. He barely played that season. Uh, Brogdon was really good. Sabonis really good. Warren was really good. He comes back to a team where he doesn't necessarily have to be the focal point. And to me, that's another pivotal. And that's kind of you know this is all the time the guy's pivotal moment where he accepted this role. Uh, you know he he came back to this team. He turned on the extension and he he accepted that he just didn't want to be there. He didn't want the role he was in. Um, and it, that's unfortunate. Um, for him, frankly, I think it it. You know, in hindsight, it probably would have been good for him to be kind of the third or fourth option and at least sort of work his way slowly back. Uh, but he didn't want to do that. And to me, you know, he you know he showed flashes. The last pivotal moment for my pitch career for him, besides the trade, obviously, which I don't like I said I don't think is a pivotal moment, was winning 25 points against New Orleans in that comeback win. I felt like he was kind of back to the game. I felt in those first nine games, he looked kind of frisky. Look, he was kind of good. Like, he was shooting pretty well. Uh, you know, he had... he. Had flashes, certainly he couldn't put back to backs, but he looked pretty good. But he just, I don't think, wanted to be in that bench, not bench role, but that sort of third or fourth option role. And maybe at times even like kind of carrying the bench unit. You know, he thought, and rightly before the injury, he was a number one. He was a, an all-NBA type player, but he wasn't when he came back. And, you know, he wasn't really willing to kind of be the second banana to a bunch of different players or not, you know, be the focal point of the offense. And so... You know, he got traded ultimately, and that's what happened. And, you know, I think the one thing I'll say about Oladipo's career with the Pacers, it was exciting. That 2017-18 season was probably the most fun I had watching basketball since the 03-04 season. And I was seven, so, I mean, the memories of that are, are hazy. I remember some of it. You know, I remember some of the exciting playoff runs where, you know, Jermaine gets poked in the eye, gets the heat. Obviously, there's the Pistons things. There's the first one against Boston where, like, it seems like I think Artes got suspended for a game and Pierce just couldn't do anything in that series. And I always despise Boston. Or them winning 60 games and them going crazy because they won 60 games and, you know, that was the first time the person has ever done it. That, that was an exciting year, but 2017-18 was super exciting. Oldie was hitting game-winning shots all over the place. He was insane in the clutch. He was amazing. He was like, and it was a kind of a big middle finger to Paul George at the same time, which made it kind of great also. And that, you know, you can't ever take that away from from Pacer fans. And we shouldn't be bitter at Oladipo for leaving. You know, players want to leave. It happens. Um, you know, I thought the team was finally good enough for him, frankly. And the sad part about the Pacers is they're kind of like one superstar short. And But also the other sad part is he probably isn't a superstar anymore. Oladipo is probably destined to be kind of the third, fourth, maybe even a bench option on a team. I hope he can get healthy. I hope he can get figure it out because when he was playing, you know, at his best, it was so exciting. I mean, they were, he was like a, a Russell Westbrook type driver with a decent jump shot. Uh, I know Westbrook, you know, I don't want to get all the Westbrook fans, but like he had a really nice clean jump shot and he was just super exciting. And he was, he might be one of the most exciting guards, uh, you know, like, because he kind of played point guard, right? He played a little bit of, you know, he was like a ball handler. Like Reggie Miller always played off the ball, right? So he might have been one of the most exciting ball handlers the Pacers have ever had, frankly. Um, you know, I don't know, you know, at least in the modern Pacer era when you think of like post-ABA. So 
anyways, I, that's that's all I got on Victor Depot. I think he had, um, you know, in his career slash season review, I think he had a great pace career. He had a good start to this season. Would have loved to see him finish the year at the Pacers and see what he could have done if he kind of remained healthy and stuck by whatever their kind of regimen was. But he didn't want to be here. So can't do anything about that. Love to hear your guys' thoughts on Oladipo. You can, as always, you can tweet us at LockedOnPacers. You can follow me at FreeMadam5 on Twitter. My coach, Tony, at Teased NBA. Tomorrow we'll bring you a free agency podcast, so check that out. That will be, I think, breaking down the free centers. I know that's probably not a position of need, but we're going position by position. I'll finish up with a Karis LeVert season review, and then we'll head into a week of draft and free agency discussions all over the place. That is all for the Locked on Pitchers podcast. We will see you guys again tomorrow.